What's up, everyone? And this is Next Level Thinking. Hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Another episode of Next Level Thinking. This is episode 196. Yes, I know it's a typo. Yeah, I caught it like when I just before I got in. <laughs> You've done so many episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, that's what it's all about inspiring people and telling their story so that you can uh, learn from them, be the best version of yourself, and take it to the next level. It's your host, Chris Holmes, as always. And today I have my lovely guest by the name of. Dennis LaRue and it's junior, but you know what? We're okay with Dennis LaRue down there. Awesome. 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 So let's go ahead and set the foundation for everything. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, uh, I am 50 years old. I'm retired air force, 23 year career, married, going on number 30. I've got three adult kids. I've got five grandkids and I am an international coach, mentor, and speaker primarily in the leadership of personal growth area. Awesome, awesome. And it sounds like you're well around, especially with the family and much more. And I think I remember reading something like you were in the Air Force, or correct me, is like around. Yes, Air Force, 23 years, one month, 29 days. And for my veterans and retirees out there, you know what those numbers mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely know. <laughs> awesome. So let's go ahead and build up the story around you. So what, um, let's say the storyline of you becoming who you are. So like, did this just, I noticed this didn't come overnight. So like what sparked um, the image or the vision for you to start speaking to people and much more? You can even start from high school. I mean, just the floor is yours. Oh, wow. You know, it's so interesting, Chris, that you bring that up because I was sitting back last night writing down uh, key components of my story prior to prior to college and two moments that stood out specifically in this speaking and coaching realm is I remember in high school, I, I you know, growing up, I wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster. I mean, mm-hmm. I love sports. I'll be honest with you. Sports. I love watching them. I enjoy listening to sports talk radio at times and, and, and watching the games. And I would turn off the sound to the games and pretend I was the broadcaster. So I'd watch the games in silence and then I would talk the game. This was at the age of nine. <laughs> I'm nine <laughs> years old and I am broadcasting baseball and football with the sound off. So you were already getting your experience of commentating over and like doing your own little specs with energy, like in another touchdown. Exactly. <laughs> Things like that. And what's really funny is still to this day, when I watch a game at home, I'll say something. And no kidding, the announcer will say in the next breath, usually what I say. And my family just sits there and they just shake their heads. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so funny. But, but the other thing that stood out is in high school, I took a speech class. And, okay. you know, the number one fear that people have isn't death. It's public it's speech. speech. <laughs> Man, I remember that and I because I had to take a, a speaking class in high school. And even the teacher herself said the same thing. It's like one of the biggest things. I don't know if it's like just standing in front of a crowd and feeling like you're about to piss yourself or what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first time I got up in front of the class to speak, all we had to do was a manuscript reading. It's literally taking a book and reading from the book. And I got a couple of words in and froze and walked right out of the class. I mean, I stopped and walked out of class and did a lap around the school inside the hallway. Wait a minute, Paul. You, you did a whole lap around the class after this? I, I went outside of class, 
and into the hallway and did a lap down the entire hallway, got a drink of water and had to talk myself up and say, hey, look, if you're going to be this television broadcaster speaker, you think you are, you better be able to do this. <laughs> and I went back in and I never had a problem again speaking. But I didn't know that my speaking was impactful until towards the end of that class. The, I, I remember the assignment, too. It's crazy. The, go I ahead. Dive, I want to dive into that a little bit more because I feel like what we have, we're born so many skills, talents, and much more. But it's like that getting over that curve of, okay, I am the person that can probably deliver this. It's like something that's right there is feared that or just, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm ready. So go a little bit more details on this because I know that's going to be a lot of value of people who be like, uh, am I the person? Because it's like that, uh, should I jump? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in that moment, just going back to that story, I just remember the absolute terror of being front in the class. And so the as I think through it now, some of the thoughts running through my mind were it, it, it was that negative, negative Nancy there in your brain or, you know, whatever you call it. Some people call them gremlins, devil, enemy, whatever it is. It ain't friendly. It doesn't want you to succeed. It, and that voice was saying, you're not good enough. You know, what are you doing up here? Nobody likes you. You're, you're the class clown. You know, you, you want to be this broadcaster. So you can't even read, you know, you can't even read a book in front of people. But like who, who make, what makes you think you are the person? Like all these thoughts hit your head. Yeah. And, and it's also, what are they going to say? What these are people in your class? These are your peers. What are they going to think about you? you what know are what? they going to say? Are you going to make it even worse than it is already? One thing I will say, what I'm noticing is like we are pretty much self sabotaging ourselves. Like as I list listen to you list all these different things, it's like it may not even be reality, but it's like we're talking to ourselves and destroying ourselves, not even realizing it. Exactly, and and what we do is not only are we talking to ourselves, we're listening. We're inviting the, those words to go deeper into our hearts. And some of them, some of it's already been burned in that heart, in that subconscious that need to come out. But in this case, they were coming out. They were burned in there. But there were new voices, so to speak, coming in saying, hey, what are they going to think now? You know, you're kind of still the new kid around here. You you didn't grow up with these guys. You moved here a couple oh, of years man. ago. You're not you, one of the you're not one of the you're not one of the in crowd. You know, oh. all this stuff is is running through my mind in the hallway. And and in that That's, moment of walking through the hallway, just I was angry too. You, I could feel the anger and the embarrassment. That's and why you probably took that lap around the school. You're like, man, what the heck? <laughs> I was a cross country runner, so it was fast. I was oh. a top runner in high school, so it was a fast walk, fast run. And 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 I remember the teacher didn't get angry. I mean, I didn't just say, "Hey, I need a break." It was I just walked right out. It was drop the mic, but I didn't have to say anything worth dropping. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man, that's like one of those crazy. Like, no, that didn't just happen. Yeah, and and I. I walked that hall and you go from that negative self-talk to, well, wait a second. Then I had to, I had, you had to reel it in. I had to throw the lasso and reel it in and say, okay, but Dennis, what's your focus? What's your dream? What do you want to do? And in that moment, it was to be a sports broadcaster. Well, oh. if you want to be a sports broadcaster, that, then now I had to reason with myself a little bit, Dennis, if you want to be a television broadcaster, then you're going to be sitting in front of people 
in front of a live national audience, maybe in front of millions, to do this. So if you can't read a book in front of a class of a bunch of high schoolers that are, you know, there's 10, 15 people in the class, then you need a different dream. Oh, man. You know what? You're right. Okay. I went right back in there and and got it done. And I remember reading that book and, you know, my teacher gave me encouragement afterwards and said, hey, good what, job. What, what was the book exactly? So I can get like, uh, I, I don't even yourself. remember. I just picked it from, it was probably sports related. It was probably okay. a book about baseball, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, I don't remember the book. That's just it. I don't remember the book. But I remember later on in that class, we had to give a speech. We had to pick a song, any Man. song. Man, this was a cool assignment. And teachers out there, uh, this could be a fun assignment for your kids. That you had to pick a song that described you and then play the song and then give a speech based off of that song about yourself. That right there just made me think because it's like, okay, I may paraphrase. It's like in, while you're in the moment, you're so concerned about like other people, what they're going to say and much more. But just like you said, years later, they're going to be like, I don't even remember what that was about. Like it kind of like, make brains full of old. Like, was it really worth like getting yourself oversight out? Like you had it. <laughs> like everything's gonna be good. <laughs> you oversight yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so that speech, I gave the speech. The song was Phil Collins, I don't care anymore. <laughs> that was my speech. And I played that song, and I remember the silence in that room as I just poured my heart out about myself. And, and about going through some of the things I've been going through and, you know, that I wasn't going to care about what they thought about me anymore. And I mean, just all of that stuff. I even dropped a cuss word in class. And oh, wow. incidentally, a cuss word came back to haunt me because she gave me an A minus instead of an A because of the cuss word. That's what she said. Well, you but, slipped out like I wasn't trying to. <laughs> no, it was intentional. I'm going to tell you what, that, that, that was intentional. But it, it got their attention. And, I'll, and, you know, years later when Facebook came up, so, you know, you got folks from high school and elementary school and family and all that friend requesting you. One of the guys that was in that class sent me a message. He said, Dennis, I still remember that speech to this oh, day. And I still remember the impact that that speech had on me. And you earned my respect that day. Wow. And I've followed you, you know, now I see the things that you've accomplished through your life. And you know what? I knew you were going to be a success from that speech. And that's crazy. It's like uh, the moment that like in the moment, you're like, oh, my goodness, I did this, this. But you never know who's watching, who that whose life may have changed. Just listen to you. And that's why I'm uh, I always go with the saying that um, everybody is a page in the book of life because you never know who needs to hear your story, who needs to hear your words. Who needs you to overcome so they can overcome? So you never want to give up because someone's watching you, no matter what you think. That, that's a great point. And, and I'm a person of faith, and I've heard it said this, that for people of faith, when people look at you, they're, they're not, you are representing God to them. So the, 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 the catchy phrase is, you're the only Jesus people are going to see. Oh. Let me say that one more time. I think you need to. You're you're the only Jesus people are going to see. So are are you how, are you glowing or are you blowing? <laughs> are you like, are you, 
or you're blowing it. Are you shining a light or did you cut your light off? That's like right. you never know. Like somebody be like, okay, I'm looking for the light. And you just shut it off. Yeah. And they're like, wait, I was looking for the light. Where's it at? That's why it's so important never to quit. Exactly. And and you know another story from high school that came up. Same same type of thing. You know, I'm I'm in cross country. I'm in I was in northeastern Pennsylvania. So, you know, it's the winter. It's rainy, wet, cold, or windy. You know, or we've got snow on the ground. This particular day, it was bitter cold and rainy. And, you know, we didn't have polypropylene and all this other, all these gadgets and gizmos that we can wear to be comfortable on a run today. I remember my team, one time we cut, we took trash bags, cut holes in them, put them over ourselves and ran in the trash bags to, to stay warm from the wet and the cold. So I, had, so I had one. So I did that and put it on and I went out for a run that day. Didn't think anything about it. Just went out for my run like a normal, just a quick three mile run. I think it was came back and got changed and went home. I got a message later from another guy in high school. Uh, I had played basketball, but my senior year, I, I decided to just do the stats since I was going to be in a sports broadcaster. I knew I wasn't going to college on a basketball scholarship. I had to work extremely hard to be average and get one minute of time on the varsity. You know what I mean? Talk about effort. <laughs> yeah, I had to work hard to get to that level. So I thought, you know, the stats and 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 keeping the scorebook and all that stuff, I like doing that anyway, so I did it. Awesome, so awesome. they're practicing, I went out on a run. Well, years later, the team, a guy from the team said, do you remember this? And I go, yeah, I remember. He said, you know what? He said, we got the biggest butt chewing of our lives as a team the next day. And I go, why? Said, Coach, we just all of us on the team talked Coach into not going out and doing our run in that weather, and we didn't do it. Coach came in the next day and he saw you, and I remember seeing him driving, uh, leaving. You know, as I'm coming back, they're leaving, and he said, Coach, give us the biggest butt chewing of our lives, because he said, out of all the sports in the school that day, only one person went for a run. Only one person was out in it. And that guy's the toughest guy in this school. Now, I was 118 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mentality, now, though. 118 pounds, 5'9", runner, skinny. And, you know, he said, I'll never forget that speech. And I'll never forget that moment. Because in order to become who you want to become, you've got to do things most people aren't going to do. Outside your comfort zone. Yeah. and But for me, I love running. It, it's just what you did. It, in order to, to be great, you got to keep doing it. Because the day that you take off, as athletes, we know this. The day that you take off, there's somebody out there that's doing more than you. And when you guys meet up, he's going to win. That's why they uh, always say, like, stay ready. Be consistent. I think yeah. there was like you probably know a little bit more than me. I think there was like a commercial with Emmett Smith when they uh said like, okay, you won the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm trying to remember the Super Bowl, and it's like, oh, how long you rest? You took a break, a few seconds. All right, back into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there even the rest of a professional athlete is very it's very scheduled, very focused, and it's and it's purposeful. And right. it, and it part and, and rest is part of a good health system. I mean, you can't go one, you can't go Mach ten every day and expect the engine not to break. 
you're gonna burn out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But in within your respective area, even success, business, life, if you take a break when you know you're not supposed to, you're allowing the the competition to catch up. Or if you're not cat, or, or if you're in the chase pack of a marathon, you're allowing the competition to get further ahead. And then you lose the momentum. Now you gotta get your momentum started again. <laughs> exactly. And and then that plays the mental games. I'll never catch up. And then you start oh. settling, you start settling for where you are because you start looking back and saying, Well, I'm ahead of those guys. I'm yeah. ahead of those guys. And you start looking back instead of looking forward. I I want you to go even more deeper on the importance of staying outside your comfort zone or get used to being outside the comfort zone. And this goes through business, life, much more. Like actually, anything that you really want in life, like marriages, anything. Like if once if you're in your comfort zone, you're basically at a standstill. Mm-hmm. You don't really move until you get out your comfort zone. It's like going into the weight room. You're not going to get strong lifting the same easy weights. Like, what was the point of even going there? Like, you're, you're not doing anything. You're not breaking anything down. You're not tearing up no muscles. You're not falling. Now you're not you. To get the growth, you must break yourself down or go through that darkness. That's that's a story. Mm. Oh, that's good. You know, your comfort zone. You know, par- your comfort zone feels like paradise, but really, it's a prison in disguise. Now wait a minute. Now <laughs> go ahead. You can't just yeah. <laughs> it's a prison in disguise because it's meant to keep you comfortable. We're, we're designed. We are designed. Our mindset is designed to keep us safe and comfortable. Not to, I'm not saying danger, 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 but we, we've got that thing that we get that spider sense of tingles telling us danger. Mm-hmm. But our, our comfort zone, it, our, our mindset say, I like this here. What, but you, in order to get there, you had to break through something to get there. Exactly. A, a great example of this is my granddaughter. We were at the park. She's my granddaughter's almost three. And she was at the park, and there was this, you know, they've got the kitty area of the park, and you can climb on things. And so she had never climbed up these things before. And so she started. She looked at it for a minute, and I said to her, Normally in the past with my kids, this is a lesson learned too, is I'd say, Don't be afraid. That's a negative phrase. Don't be afraid. I'm planting a negative seed. It, I'm, I'm trying to be positive, but I'm saying it the wrong way. I looked at her and said, go ahead. You can do it. You can do it. And so she started climbing. But I was right there to catch her in, in case she slipped or stumbled. She saw that I was there. She's like, okay. And she climbed. And she did it. And she had a big grin on her face. And we celebrated. But that look turning back and that sizing it up, there, there was that moment of fear for a moment. And that I don't know if I can do this. But she received that encouragement and she tried it. She tried it and made it and celebrated. You know what? After that, she just going. She didn't even look back. She wasn't sure, you know, is Pops here? Pops not? No, I'm going to keep climbing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go down the slide. She just, she she broke a barrier of fear. She got out of her comfort zone to ground, broke a fear barrier. And then once she got there, she's like, oh my goodness, this is so much fun. What can I try next? And that's how life's supposed to be. And that's kind of a real simple way of describing that for us. But we're older now. So we're really gifted at chocolate covered poison. 
<laughs> Not the sweet. We, we coat the we coat we coat our fear with fancy phrases, and we'll we'll well. I'll I'll give an example of how I do it. One of the ways I use, I'll say wisdom. I'll use the wisdom word. Oh man! I say wisdom says not to do this. Is that really wisdom, or is that my fear of trying something new? Or using as a crutch? Exactly. Okay. Am I hiding behind the W? Hiding behind the wisdom. And so that, that's one way I do it. Or we'll use facts. Oh, but I'm being realistic. <laughs> we got to be realistic here. Well, hold on. It, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off of a cliff. This is just a different area of growth. And, you know, I talk about the BS flag and I was looking for it. I couldn't. Uh, I, I was waiting for that. I'm, I'm not gonna, I was looking for it for that. <laughs> yeah. And the BS flag, it's a, you know, in NFL football, it's a red challenge flag. You know, you challenge a call. Well, in this case, it's a BS flag. I'm challenging my own belief system and yes. throwing that out. As a matter of fact, I think I threw it somewhere in this room because of a belief system I was experiencing and working through. And now I can't find it. I threw it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you must have really was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, just, just throw it. And so I got to call BS on myself. Mm-hmm. But going back to our point, if people are watching, if people are watching me and I don't take this step, what am I communicating? That's strong. What What so, am I saying? Because you're a reflection of who you are. I mean, what you put out there. I mean, energy and everything and much more. Mm-hmm. So as we continue with this fantastic story, what happened after high school? Because this is like during the time where you were getting into the um, uh, Air Force. I'm trying to piece together the, the timeline. No, right, right after high school, I went to I went to college for a year. Division three school ran cross country and track. There did a great job running front, not to class though. So I did I did the the freshman no no. Hold on, wait a minute. I was an athlete. I was an athlete, not a student. Don't say, uh, say 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 nothing more. <laughs> you yeah. forgot. You was like, oh, I'm feeling this, and you're like, um. Uh, these grades. No, we're, we're good because it leads to the Air Force. After okay. that, after that year of college, um, I realized, you know, my grades, if my, I love sports. So if my grades were, if my GPA were a baseball pitcher's ERA, I'd have won the Cy Young that year. Gotcha. I might've been MVP. Okay. It was pretty low. Yes, yes. And I realized, okay, it, it failure. I experienced failure and the failure was poor choices. What I, what I had in high school and college, what I had in high school was I had a system of study and, and, and athletics that kept me busy and I had a job. And in college, you know, I had a job that I could only work certain hours because I was an athlete. You know, practice was in the afternoon and classes. I didn't have class from eight to three o'clock. I only had class from like eight to 12, three days a week. I got oh, two days I didn't do anything. And then when I did have class, I wasn't studying. And then when I did have class, sometimes I'm skipping class. So just being transparent here. So, of course, I can't expect to be an honor student or even eligible to run if I ain't going to class. You know, (laughs) so we get to the end of that freshman year of college and my parents, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and they decided they wanted to move back to Texas. Uh, and so they moved to uh, north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I figured, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll transfer with them. And so I transferred to a junior college, got a job, started over. Junior college didn't have athletics, and it's where I met my wife. 
but met my wife here. So here's the good part of the story. A great part of the story. Met my wife and found my faith as well. This is when I, 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 the, the Lord just got a hold of me through my wife. We got married and had a, had my daughter was on the way and we realized, okay, I'm working in a grocery store and I'm not making, I'm pretty much full time, but I'm not making barely enough dough to, to, to support uh, barely making enough to support me and my wife. Now I got a baby on the way and I got to think bigger. Ooh, that's one that's like in moments like that, you have that real reality check. It's like everything hits you so fast and you're like, wait a minute. Something's got it. Gotta, yeah. yeah. And, and there was a, 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 you know, cheap date night was the dollar theater. And at the dollar theater next to the dollar theater were the recruiters. And I remember my wife and I were driving down the road one day. She said, you know, what about the military? And I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to join the military. You're like, no, no, no. In fact, the military recruiter that bugged me in high school, I brought him to my house to tell him no, just so he'd leave me alone. And, and I had my parents in the room and everything. I, I laid it all out. Now, you know, as a salesperson, if you go on a sales call and you lay it all out and they say no, you don't go back to them. That you yeah. might, They might be in your email drip funnel, but you're not going to spend any time with them after that. And so that's what happened here. And that was about three years prior. So you know, I thought about it and, you know, I, I prayed over it. You know, I, I said, well, if we're in this together, you suggest it, let's pray about it. And I thought, okay. And, and I said, okay, if I'm going to join the military, you're coming with me, my pregnant wife, cause I'm not signing anything. I'm showing all my cards up front. <laughs> like this is it. Yeah, this is it. You not, I'm not going to sign nothing. And then you knowing I've got a, a family on the way you, you're going to now, you know, I, I was thinking just, I want to be upfront and honest here. This is what's coming. And also, I'm only going to consider the offices that are open this day. The offices that were open that day when I went were the Air Force and the Marines. And I went to church with the Marine recruiter. So we went to the Air Force guy first, spent an hour and a half. He answered all the questions that we asked. And, you know, we just got a great vibe that uh, from the Air Force. But the Marines kind of tugged at my heart a little bit more, just a little bit out of pride. I mean, they're the best, the best. And, and I, I valued being physically strong, physically fit and, and endurance and all those things. There was just something there because I'm competitive and the Marines are competitive. And when I walked in there with my pregnant wife and I knew that guy from church, I'd seen him. He basically pushed us out the door in five minutes telling us he didn't have anything for us. And this was right after the first uh, desert storm, the first Gulf War. So there were things going on and he pushed us out the door and said, I don't have anything for you. Nothing. Every question I asked, he basically said, I don't have anything for you. And so, well, I joined the Air Force. <laughs> there it is. So, and here we are. So like, how was the experience in the Air Force? Because I know like every, uh, like, I'm going to let you lead on this because I haven't like, so, well, I must respect them much more. So you go ahead and have a mic. Like how oh, was it going in? Oh, the Air Force, you know, um, now, one thing that helped me with basic training is I wasn't as shocked at basic training as others because my father-in-law is a Marine. He, he served during Vietnam. So if they're the baddest of the bad, my mindset was, well, I want to learn from the best. So I sat down with my father-in-law and I asked him, hey, tell me all about your basic training. And man, he told me some stories. <laughs> and so I got myself mentally prepared. I knew I was physically fit already, but I kept working on that. But then I focused on being mentally prepared for Marine basic training so that when I got the Air Force basic training, if it didn't equal Marine basic training, then then I'm set. And it was still tough. And I had to go through a lot. 
And my daughter was born while I was in basic training. So, so I've got basic training and that being away from family. But on top of that, my pregnant wife is due to deliver while I'm there. Wow. And, the first, and the first two weeks of basic training are the toughest because of the transition phase. I mean, it's baptism under fire. All the details. Yeah. So, so I, I've got stress. I mean, I'm hoarse. The st- I was so stressed. I lost my voice. Now you try saying, ma'am, yes, ma'am, sir, yes, sir, when you're hoarse and praying that they hear your voice, because if they can't, they're going to lay into you. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't hear you. Oh, shit. Exactly. And every moment of my faith strengthened because every time I needed my voice, it was there. And every time I needed whatever I needed, God provided it in that moment every single time, every single time. And, you know, sometimes we all need to go back to the fundamentals. We all need to go to our own personal basic training. Where did God show up in those moments where we, where we tested in the small places and needed him? Because exactly. he's just, he's right there in the big stuff, too, with what's going on all over the world. I agree completely, 100%. So, you know, and then going through the jobs. I mean, the Air Force was fantastic. I mean, I got great health care. Uh, I got great educational benefits. I was able to complete my two associates, a bachelor's and a master's degree while on active duty. Wow, most props. All, pa- all paid for by by through the Air Force through my GI Bill and the other benefits there. I've got retiree benefits now for me and my me and my wife. And you know, it's just it was a great career. And I also gained some great skills. And really, my hunger for leadership developed. My hunger for leadership and coaching really crystallized during my military career. I mean, I was put in positions where I was not the smart. I was the youngest, lowest ranking person in the room with the stripes, but they put me in the position of being the briefer to distinguish visitors and generals that would come, would be that guy that would be briefing how we did our job to commanders in the field who didn't understand what we did for a living, that we were there to serve and support them. So I was always put in those positions. And, and I was also given the toughest cases, you know, people that were on their way out the door that other people supervising just couldn't get to, 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 to do the job. And it wasn't because they couldn't do it. It was because they didn't understand. They didn't have the emotional intelligence or, 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 or understand the personality of the person and speak in their language. It goes back to what God said. God said, love, love your neighbor as yourself. And he didn't say he didn't. He wanted us not only to love them like we, we take care of ourselves, but the idea is getting to understand them, getting to know them and meeting them where they are, love them where they're at. And so that means getting to understand their story like we're doing right here. Yes. Understand their story. And then once we understand their story and we listen to them and they're heard, we provide them the training they need based on who they are to get the job done. And if some people, they need the micromanaging, they want that. They Like my granddaughter, they want to know that I'm there to pick them up if they fall. But then there's others that are like, okay, I got it. Let me go. Just check in on me once in a while. Or if I need you, I'll ask questions. And as long as the mission's getting done, we're good with that. But a lot of a lot of people weren't trained in that. They weren't trained in the leadership from that perspective. Their leadership model was, I've got more stripes than you, or I outrank you. Do what I say and do it now. Like our parents said, do as I say, not as I do. Ego. Yeah. Why, why should I do that? Because I said so. 
there, there's a place where that works, but for the most part, it doesn't work. Sounds like you got a lot of um, the build for your speaking and coaching and much more through this experience. And one thing that I was keen on overall was the mental toughness. It's the mental toughness that really projects like uh, you or anyone else into that next level. Because you can have like the most physique, all that and much more. But if you lose it here, you're out of there. <laughs> oh, so so uh, you bring up such a great point. It is persistence because it perseverance running a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you get to a point where they call it the wall. It's the scariest point for any distance runner. It's the barrier where you've used up all of your energy, used up every nutrient, gel, and whatever else you've had, and now your muscles feel like logs, and it's just one foot in front of the other. And they want to quit. And it usually happens with about eight, six to eight miles still to go. <laughs> That's brutal. That's the That's average. For, for others, it might be, you know, it might be mile 23, but still it's brutal. And you just got to persevere and put one foot in front of the other. And, and the, the mental toughness and the training and all that to get there. And that's exactly how it is in business. It's how it is with relationship. That's how it is in life. It's You've got to persevere to the end. But if you don't know what the end looks like, you'll give up. You got to define what the finish line looks like for you. What, what's the finish line look like for you and your family? What's the finish line look like for you in your business or you as an employee in a business? What does the finish line look like in your faith? What's it look like in your finances? Because, it, you know, the comfort zone says this is enough. I got, I got enough right here and that's okay. For some people, that is okay. But for the achiever and, and for the competitor, no, they, they want a little bit more because they're thinking beyond. They're, they're, they're trying to weigh out all the angles and options on how to get there. And they know that in order to get to where they want to go, they got to do things they've never done. And they got to think things they've never thought. And, and they've got to challenge themselves beyond what they are used to. Uh, I've heard it said, Babe Ruth said this. He said, yesterday's home run doesn't win today's game. <laughs> That's like a mic drop right there among itself. And then on top of that, America was built off of innovation doing something that has never done, uh, been done before. That's actually what progressive society, you can't do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's like that insanity course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like watching a cartoon. It, it's it's like Coyote trying to catch Roadrunner. <laughs> fail, fail, the problem fail. wasn't the tools. He had all the tools to catch him. It's crazy. So oh. let's dive a little bit more into the uh, speaking. Because I can already tell, like, all of this with the mental strengthening came from with you in service and much more. So what was that transition for you being like, I think I have a voice? Oh, and before I forget uh, what you were saying earlier, um, I was hearing this really loud. Uh, your why. Your why is what uh, pushes you to keep going and persisting. Like, it could be your child, your community, your mother, things like that's going to keep you persistent. But uh, let's dive more into, like, the speaking thing. So what was that transition like? Okay, this is it. You know, um, the transition to speaking, you know, I'm still going through that. To be honest with you, I'm still going through some of that transition. I'd love speaking. And, uh, you know, uh, my motto that I, that I live by is be ready to preach, pray, pray or perish at a moment's notice. So I, impromptu speaking, I'll be honest with you. I love impromptu speaking. 
if if the number one fear is speaking, then the number one fear of the speaker is having to do it on a moment's notice. Like no time to prepare. Like here's your time. Yeah. Go. You're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Nobody go. wants to be in your shoes at that point. Nobody. So you've got a captive audience, right? Nobody wants to be in the shoes. You've got a captive audience at that point. But, you know, I'm still working through that that speaker because I can talk on so many things. My my problem isn't speaking. My 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 problem is honing down to a niche and staying in it because I'm I'm so curious and captivated by so many things. And, and finding a niche to to uh, really focus on and and get even better than where I am. So to be honest with you, uh, I'm working through that. And it's and you brought up the why. I'm work. I'm revectoring my why. I am double checking my why to make sure that my why is really my why and not a why that other people have shared with me. Oh, that right there is a lesson on itself. Yeah, yeah, that's huge because you know as kids, our parents will tell us things and. Well, and 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 people we trust throughout the years will say you should do this, you should do this, and that's a good point. And we'll do that. And if we're good at something as kids, well, I I don't know about you, but we all like praise. If I'm good at it and they're praising me for it, well, I want to do more of it. <laughs> who, yeah. who doesn't want more praise? Come on. Yeah. But I'm making sure that my why isn't just to get praise from other people. That that's an insecurity issue. That that's right. a that's an identity issue. So I've been working through that and getting those stories that have shaped me, but I love speaking. And I, and what I love about speaking is, is when I'm doing it, it's almost like an out, out, out of body experience. You know what I mean? It's like you're sitting there looking at yourself as you're speaking. Yeah. It, I, I don't know how else to describe it. And, you know, some folks are intentional and can really focus on the crowd. I know that they're there. But sometimes I'm lost. I'm like lost in the moment. It's it's almost as if in that moment, it's like God has poured into me and it's pouring out to them. And I'll have my notes and everything by my by by my side. But there are some things that'll be said that weren't in the notes that honestly, later on, if I don't watch the video or somebody comes up to me. When they tell me I said that, I'll, I I want to write that down. I'm like, wow, I said that. It, it was it's a supernatural experience, really. When I'm in that moment, so talk about comfort zone and strength zone. I think what I've just discovered here is when you're in your strength zone, you are in the flow, you are in the moment, you are on fire. In the, you're zone. In the zone, you're in the zone, and there is nothing nobody can do it, it there's nothing anybody can do to take you from it i mean it's like a protect, protective bubble force field if you will and that is your sweet spot and it's where you're supposed to be it's your strength zone and the difference between a comfort zone and a strength zone is in a comfort zone you're stretching to grow but you're never getting out of your strength zone wow all right there's this everything you said is like all, all lessons to really be uh, thought about. Because like, even if you take one of them and put a lot of focus onto it, you can dramatically change your life in so many ways. Yeah, so absolutely. 
And, and I've got coaches that I'm working with to help me through that. So here's another thing that, that BS flag also stands for blind spots. You okay. know why they're called blind spots? Cause you can't see them. Correct. We're, we're designed to have people to speak into our lives and to help us with the blind spots. So where you've got, where I mentioned the kids growing up and parents telling them things and encouraging them and all that part of what they're also showing you is blind spots. We don't know that as kids, but as adults, it's easy for us to to not want people speaking to us because we are fully resourced, but we need those people to speak in our lives. So, and I'm a person of faith. Jesus even didn't do it alone. He had 12. He had three that were close, that were his inner circle, and they had one that he loved dearly. Not that he didn't love the others, but John was that one that was right there with him. So if Jesus didn't do it alone, we certainly don't need to be doing it alone. Or to even further, like um, your mother raised your father, you got coaches, teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you learned some kind of skill set from somebody. You didn't just come to earth and like, oh, here I am. I'm going to do this on myself. No, you had to learn from someone. You had to have these coaches. And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because didn't you uh, do something with, uh, I believe, John Maxwell? I believe that yeah. Year. You know, John Maxwell, you can see his books right there behind the word inspire. Um, you know, John Maxwell, I, I remember as there was a point in my faith walk and in my military career, we, we had to study for promotion. And there was a chapter in my study guide that was called leadership. And man, I just, I devoured it. I loved it. It really spoke to me. And there was a quote in there by John Maxwell. I wish I could tell you what it was. I don't have that particular manual anymore, but there was a quote by John. And, and I remember seeing him like, John, that was really good. And, and I was at a point in my faith walk, I, I, I had a, a limiting belief that there was a difference between, in leadership, there was a difference between secular and sacred. Leadership was considered secular. And so in, in, in the mindset that I had at that time, my belief system said, oh, I want to just study religious material. I just want to study the Bible. I just want to study books about the Bible. And leadership is in the Bible, don't get me wrong. But at that point, reading books about leadership who do I trust? Where do I go here? And I was driving home from work one day and I heard coming up next on such and such John Maxwell in his new book, John Maxwell, I recognize that name. Well, I listened in and I listened to him talk on that broadcast and he was talking about his new book at that time would have been, it was in the late early two thousands, but at that time it was his law on the 17 indisputable laws of teamwork. Hmm. And I, I bought it, but I went home that day and I'm like, okay, I got on eBay. eBay was big back then. Oh, I got yeah. on eBay and I found three or four John Maxwell books for about two or $3. I bought them and brought them out. I'm like, okay. But what stuck me about John is he said this, he said, I was a pastor for 25 years. Now, wow. You and I both know you don't do something for 25 years and suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> you better not. Yeah. Yeah. You better not. You, you don't do something that long and, and are not, have some credibility. And so while my flavor of, of Christianity and faith at that time, wasn't the same as his, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to test run this. I'm going to read his stuff. And I got a hold of the 21 uh, irrefutable laws of leadership. I got the 21 qualities of leader and I, I devoured those. I read them. I'm like, Oh my, I found it. This Just is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been looking for. And 
I started reading his books and I went online. And then uh, when I came back, I was I spent a year away in Korea by myself, away from my family. And I remember reading those books again. And when I came back my that year for Christmas, my family knows what to get me for Christmas. I'm an all or none kind of guy. And when I get into something, I go all in. And that Christmas was a John Maxwell Christmas. I got books, tapes, CDs. <laughs> <for days. laughs> it was the John Maxwell buffet. And my mother-in-law came for a visit and she said, you like John Maxwell? I go, yeah, mom. I, you know, really good. She said, you know, he was just here in Odessa, Texas last week. I wish uh, I didn't. I'm like, what? You, you didn't tell me. Look what I did. I said, oh no. She said, but it's okay. I, he's coming back next year. He's coming back next year. And when he does, I'll invite you. Odessa, Texas. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. And mm -hmm. it, it sounds close. That's a six hour drive. And so the, let's fast forward a year. I get the call. Mom's mom says, come on. She flew me out and everything flew me out. And John Maxwell is speaking. They got a church for him to speak in. Now, John Maxwell has spoken in, you know, right now the John Maxwell team that, 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 that I'm in has 40,000 coaches in 160 nations across the globe. Right now is their in right now is their twice annual international Maxwell certification event. There's probably thousands in there. I've been to them where there's been 3,500 in the room. Talking about mind blown. In, yeah. In Odessa, Texas, that day for that second year that they did this event, there were less than 200 people in the room. Two, I'm sitting in the front, and I'm the only person outside of Odessa, Midland, Texas to be there. Huh. John Max, the guy that uh, was running the event, knew my mother-in-law and he shook my hand and we talked for a little bit. And I told him, I said, Hey, you know, the air force is telling us to read as part of our leadership development to read John Maxwell's books. I'm like, okay. And he said, wow, really? John needs to hear this. You want to meet him? Oh, shoot. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to spend 10 minutes with John Maxwell before he taught the group. I wish I could tell you what he said. I don't remember. I was so starstruck. He was like, oh, my goodness, I'm about to meet him. Yeah, <laughs> I was so starstruck that I didn't know what to say. and um, But I knew how I felt after. He made me feel like an, a, the most important person in the room, a million bucks. And so going through that process of, of listening to him, and he was sharing a new book that day, a new teaching he had never taught before and recorded it. And as he was sharing that lesson, here's another key moment for me. As he was sharing that lesson, as he got to an illustration, I would I would elbow my mother-in-law and say, I would use this movie quote right here. And you know what? John did the same thing. Four times that day, John shared an illustration like I was doing before the television broadcasting. I was doing it right there, commentary. Here's what I would do and say based off of what he just said. And it's exactly what he said. And that happened four times that day. And so I knew moving forward that I was in my tribe, I was in the right place, reading the right stuff, growing in the right place, and just continued doing that through my Air Force career, continued buying his books, reading his books, applying his books. And it wasn't until my retirement ceremony that I joined the John Maxwell team. The John Maxwell team formed in 2011, and it's 10 years old. I joined in 2015, right after I retired from the Air Force. And you know why I joined it? I had, I still had a limiting belief mindset. I can't, I said this, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't uh, afford it. Come on, Chris. Now I know I'm speaking uh, your language right now. I know I'm speaking your language. I needed next level thinking. 
Yes. And so I had to borrow somebody else's belief. My mother-in-law believed in me so much that she paid for my certification to join the John Maxwell. Wow. Talking about faith. That was my retirement gift. That's like what that's I mean, that's the I don't think I can find the words to for someone to believe in you more than yourself. Yes. And, and I didn't know how I was going to come up with it, because at that point, I transitioned to be on a staff of pastors for a nonprofit at that point. And usually nonprofit means no money. <laughs> come on now. The, another, you know, and, and I knew. But I also believed in that moment that when I when that happened and I, I went to my event and I heard this this call for global transformation. And I heard that these nations were reaching out to John saying, hey, we need you to train our leaders from the top down and the bottom up. John said, I need help. Who wants to help me? Man, I'm, my hand was raised. I'm, I'm in. Real quick. <laughs> and then when they told me how much that was going to cost, I was like, OK, I'm looking, uh, at my, I'm looking at my checkbook. And I keep saying to my checkbook, money, may I? Money, may I? And the checkbook always said, no, you may not. And I, said, I can't live that way no more. And God put on my heart to start the, the business, start the coaching, speaking, training, and just jump in. And through that process, God, you know, started mastermind groups and started these small study groups. And people were just having their lives changed through it and uh, got a chance to speak into some businesses and do some coaching for some organizations and 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 got to be a panel member on some things. Just things started opening up. And lo and behold, guess what happened? The, the money showed up. The money was there. And so I got, to, I got to go with John Maxwell to Paraguay with 200 other coaches and transform that nation's leadership at the very bottom grassroots and experience an experience that I've never experienced before. I got to see, you know, in America, we we're so independent that we we've you know we talk about those fundamentals. You remember that? Yes. The fundamentals, they're basic. I don't need those basics anymore. I got those down. And what I saw was a nation that was so hungry for the basics. And every complex problem that we've got right now in our nation, in the U.S. and across the world, goes back to a fundamental principle not applied. It goes back to the fundamentals. Everything complex goes back to the fundamentals. We missed more somewhere. And so you got to tear it down and you got to build it back up. Every time in my life I've, I've seen issues and problems and I've had a lot. It goes back to the foundation. There's a fundamental flaw in the foundation. You got to fix it. You can't build from a fundamental, from a flawed foundation. And so this nation was like, we need these fundamentals. Exactly. And so people hungry for leadership and hungry for basic values and growing from it. I'll never forget this woman coming up to me. Who was she was in charge of the the um, the the she was basically the hospital administrator for the for the nation. She's got like sixty thousand employees underneath her, and she came up to me at the break and put her hands on my shoulder and she looked me in the eye. She said, "Dennis, in perfect English, Dennis, you are an answer to my dream." Oh, come on! There are people out there. Here's some next level thinking for you. There are people out there going back to people need to hear your story and you're the only Jesus people are going to see. People are, are out there dreaming of you and they're waiting for you to step into it. They're waiting for you to answer the call. 
Well said. I mean, I don't know what else to put on than that. Yeah, and and, and I'm stepping on my own toes here, people. I'm stepping on my own toes here. It hurts. That's how you, that's how you grow. You gotta have you gotta have that self reflection. Like I need to do better. That's how you really grow. Whew, this is and so, and so that's led me to this point of, of coaching and and you know the the greatest the moment that I have got to go back to this one moment here. Gosh, we've been on fifty minutes. Wow. You know no, here like- I, this this one moment here. I let me just share this one last moment because it really speaks to. You know, a couple a couple of things, knowing that you're in the sweet spot. And and you've really helped me gain some clarity right here, right now, talking That's about what it's that. all about. You know, I, I on the John Maxwell team, I got nominated for an award. And they took the top 20 people in 10 different categories based off of the, the team core values. And so I'm I ended up being a runner-up in this core value of living intentionally. But here's what but the benefit of that was you get to be on stage with John Maxwell and he's going to interview you on stage at the IMC we talked about. So there's 3,500 people and I'm not speaking to them. I'm being interviewed by my mentor, the guy that I would say that has had the biggest impact in my leadership, the, the human being that's had the biggest impact in my leadership development and growth as an adult. John Maxwell is going to be interviewing me. Are you kidding me? And I, as we were practicing this and really getting down, you know, getting this down, I had a flash and it was back to that moment when I first met John in the first time I shook his hand. It was almost like a deja vu moment because in that moment I saw myself on stage with John, that flash that I saw in 2006, that it was a moment I, it, it brought to my memory that moment. And meeting him for the first time, and I had this vision of being on stage with him. It was me in the upper corner here, like if you were my shoulder, it's the upper right corner looking in. And I'm sitting at a table with John in a couple of stools out in front of a crowd. And I remember seeing a a, a green, like palm, palm tree type of plant next to me. Mm-hmm. When I got up on that stage practicing... It was that exact room in Orlando, Florida. Wow. <laughs> 12 years prior, I saw this moment. Talk about I didn't know it at the time, but then that moment happened. And there I am sharing with John on stage the this my rule of five. And after I've shared I shared my rule of five, John stopped. He would, you know, John, John has his iPad with him now and he his, his tablet and he his notes are on it and everything else. And he was looking at his notes real quick. And after I finished my real fight, he stopped. And he looked at me, he said, whoa, 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 wait a second. Can you say that again? And so I said it again. And somebody in the crowd told me, Dennis, when you when he did that and you started saying it again, 3,500 heads holding their pen went like this. They went head down. All you could see was the top of their heads and they were taking notes. Impact. And, and and John at that moment said, Dennis, that's a book. He said, Dennis, that's a book. Now I haven't written that book yet. Um, so when am I gonna write it? You know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm starting that process. I'm seeing I need to be speaking more and writing more. But that point was I deserved I, I was I was at the table 
I was I was at the table in front of 3,500 people speaking and making a difference and that I can impact lives. And I needed those reminders over the years, those benchmarks from elementary school and high school and my military career to get to that point to say, okay, you've gotten comfortable. It's time to break out of it. It's time to go to the next level. Writing a book is going to the next level. Speaking at high, speaking in different ways and really honing that speaking and getting that why in, go to the next level. Because if I don't get that why down, then I'm going to get knocked down. Well said. Whew. With all that extra value, Golden Gems, and much more, where can they find you? <laughs> Man, uh, you can, you know, I'm here on Facebook. You can find me there, Dennis LaRue Jr. Uh, my page is there. My website is Dennis LaRue. Dennis. Dot, I think it's DennisLaRue.org, as a matter of fact. I don't go to my website as much. I'm on LinkedIn. And you know what? I, I, I was checking my email today and I realized that there's a glitch in my email. So I'm going to give you my email because if this impacted you, I want you to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. If, if you're needing help in this area or you want to be a part of a group of, 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 of leaders growing in their leadership in those masterminds that I mentioned, I, I want you in there. So here's my email address. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm violating all kinds of protocol, protocol here, but I don't care. It's about helping people. So here it is. Dennis.LaRue, Jr., L-A-R-U-E-J-R, at gmail.com. Awesome. So with all that much more, make sure you subscribe, share the message, keep commenting, and make sure you take a lot of different notes because this is ongoing learning lessons so we all can learn, inspire, and help people take it to the next level. It's your host, Chris Holmes, and then I have my special guest by the name of Dennis LaRue. Awesome, awesome. Peace and much love, and can't wait to see you on the next one.